0: Here's Pastor Scott. Morning. A sermon out of 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy is our book of the month for February. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 1 in 1 Timothy. If not, these verses will be on the screen and you can follow along. This is a message that I really want you to focus on. I always tell you, try to focus. Try to let God speak to you. I really want you to receive what the Lord has for you today, so be a listener. Amen? Amen? The Bible says that you should have ears to hear what the Spirit says to you, and I pray that you will today. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, And genuine faith I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled don't miss the point look at somebody and say don't miss it pray with me God thank you for your word God I thank you for allowing us to be in your house one more time God I pray that you'd anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would be sound doctrine things that would honor you God I pray that you would speak to us today your people we need to hear from you God and I pray that you would strengthen us today By your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Don't miss the point. Anybody ever tried to explain a story to somebody and they kept focusing on the wrong thing? They missed the what? So much of that is going on inside churches today, inside ministries, all around the world. People are sitting in churches and missing the point people are standing up teaching and preaching and missing the point point. and i want to make sure that we don't miss the what don't miss the point today at seven o'clock p.m. tonight we're going to conclude our 21 days of prayer fasting and consecration we tonight will make the 21st day that we've been out praying every night for an hour no singing no teaching just praying, and I have enjoyed it. I, I know the people that have come have been blessed by it. I always say I know you can't come to everything, but I think the, 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 there, was a, there was a core group of, uh, of a handful of people that made every single night, uh, sat in the same chairs and, and, and prayed in the same places every single night, and it was, it's just been fantastic. Tonight is your last opportunity to come out. Uh, we will be concluding our 21 days of prayer and fasting tonight at 7 p.m. at the end of our hour of prayer. Everybody's invited to come out to that. Then for those not rushing off to the Super Bowl, ooh, pa- Pastor, we going to have church on Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it when Christmas falls on a Sunday because I get to see all these big churches around the country close their church on Sunday and put signs on the front of their marquees that say close today so you can spend time with your family. Where's a better place to spend time with your family on Christmas Day on a Sunday morning than celebrating Jesus Christ? But anyway, people wonder, are you really going to do that tonight tonight? With the Super Bowl on, listen, if you need to be watching the Super Bowl, watch the Super Bowl. I tell you all the time. I know everybody can't come to every service, but come if you can and pray for us if you can't. After our hour of prayer tonight, we are going to break our fast together. Um, I know for me and, and, and um, at least one other person I know uh, ha- haven't been eating and i haven't had i haven't chewed anything in 21 days i'm gonna chew something tonight at seven o'clock um and so i i told people that come if you came anytime during this 21 days or if you come tonight i want to invite you to our uh fast breaking meal uh we're going to move from here over next door uh somebody's going to sneak the tv on i'm sure but I told you, this, this, this will be a different kind of deal because everyone that knows me uh, knows that me and my sons eat out every night of the year. <laughs> we don't eat at home. I don't cook. There's no food in my house. We got cereal. Uh, we got some bread for peanut butter sandwiches if I'm running late from work so that they don't starve to death. But since their mother died, there's no cooking in my home. And uh, I don't cook, so we eat out every night. We're doing something different tonight. I'm going to cook everybody who comes a meal, and I'm going to serve it to you, and I'm going to pray over you um, as I serve you this meal. Now, I'm going to give you a precursor so you don't skip the Super Bowl and come just for that. Uh, It's going to be a fast-breaking appropriate meal. Uh, you're You're supposed to break your fast with something very light, and I can't think of anything lighter than soup, and saltine crackers, and I can make that. The joy will not be in the quality of the meal. The joy will be in the fact that y'all get to watch me chew food. And crackers are going to be good. They're going to be good. Oh, crackers are going to be good. I, I'm not as excited about the chicken noodle soup as I am about the saltine crackers. Um, but we're, we're going to have that and a couple other things, and uh, you're invited to come. If you so choose, we're going to have a great time tonight during that way. But many of us during the last three weeks have been seeking God in a very diligent way. And I want you to know that you should do that throughout the course of your lifetime. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him if you're not getting all from god that you feel like you need to get if you're not hearing clearly from god if you're not walking in the blessing of god the abundance of god the anointing of god i want you to understand his promises that he rewards those who diligently seek him and so i'm thankful that we've had these 21 days but i'm also thankful that uh whoever makes that White and blue box of premium saltine crackers. I'm going to be digging into it. Any, let me tell you, I always like to tell you how you should really do stuff. Any, anybody know how to really make a, an icy? Y'all kids, y'all don't know about icies. Y'all remember 7-Eleven came out with the icy? Y'all remember that? Uh, red, that's the only kind. All the rest of that stuff is foolishness, the blue, the banana, hot garbage. Throw that away. That was just made for crazy people. But you go in, you get your icy cup. You, you don't you, you don't put the lid on it yet you keep the lid off now icy cup has a domed lid with a hole in it you don't put the lid on it yet because it ain't ready for that. you fill it up about halfway then you shake the thing like that and then like this then you bang 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 then you fill it up halfway again because now you only got this much in icy let me tell you something you go to icy you pay a dollar nineteen. That was in the 70s. You pay $1. 19 for an Icy at the Kmart, uh, and, 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 and you just go. You didn't get but this much anyway. So you fill it up two, three times. Straight. Then you put the lid on it. Then you fill it up to the top of the lid. Then you cover that lid. with your, Now, you're going to get some red on your hand, but it'll wash off. And so I, I like to tell y'all how to, you know, get the best out of stuff. I'm going to get back to this in a minute. But I'm going to tell y'all because I got these saltine crackers on my, on my mind. If you are a professional, I'm not talking about amateurs. I'm not talking about rookies. I'm not talking about people that don't know what they're doing. If you are a professional and you get the opportunity to get the first 20, because that's about the right amount, or 30, but if you could get the first half of that sleeve of crackers, or you could get the the last half of that sleeve of crackers, all the professionals know which half you want to get. The last half. Raise your hand, Rick. Y'all listen to a big man that knows what he's talking about. You get the last half of that sleeve. Why? Because a professional knows, that's the salt and the crumbs at the bottom. You tear that wrapper open and you, you lick that thing. And, hey, I'm getting the last half of every sleeve of saltine crackers in the building tonight. I might let somebody have one. Just a little tip. That's free. That ain't even in my notes. That's just free on how to be a professional saltine cracker eater. And you're welcome to come out. But during this 21 days, God has shared many things with me. But it's all brought me to this one passage that just started our book of the month. And the book of the month is something that I read through every month and invite people to read through with me. Sometimes you might only get through the whole thing once in a month. Sometimes you might read it more. Sometimes you might not get through the whole thing, but I concentrate on one book for the whole month, reading it, rereading it, getting it in my spirit, focusing on it, hearing from the Lord. And this 21 days of everything that God has told me has pointed me to this one passage that plainly describes to us the purpose of real Christianity. In our opening text, 1 Timothy 1.5, I'll read it to you again. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, A clear conscience and genuine faith. So the purpose of this book is that we be filled with love that comes from three things. that It comes from a pure heart, uh, it comes from a clear conscience, and it comes from a genuine faith. But before we look at verse 5 in depth, I want us to see four things out of the next two verses, verse 6 and 7, that disqualify people from getting to points. Say disqualify. If you see yourself in any of these four things, you are disqualifying yourself from the point. Now, the title of the message is Don't Miss the Point. If any of these four things are active in your life, you are missing the point. You just need to get a T-shirt that says, I'm missing the point. Tattoo it across your forehead or without spending any money, you could just stop doing these things. Amen? But these four things... We're going to see in verse 6 and 7 are things that disqualify people from getting the point. Verse 6 says, but some people have what? Missed this whole point. And here's how they missed it. They turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. Now, if you've been around Abundant Life For a while, you know I take my points directly from Scripture. I don't have any other reference book. I'm not up here to tell stories, although I will let you know how to eat Kraft Premium Saltine Crackers. Um, But I take my points right out of Scripture, so I'm going to just pull these right two of these right out of verse 6. And if you follow along, it's going to make a lot of sense to you. Some people have missed this whole point. How did they do it? Number one way they did it, they turned away from these things. Now, this is something that's going on all over the world. People started down the right path, and then they turned away from it. Do you know, you could have a map to where Wingstop is on 103rd Street. It would be real easy to find. You could have a map to how to get to Wingstop on 103rd Street, and you could start driving in the right direction. But if you make a right-hand turn on Jamie's, you, you're not going to get to Wingstop. You're not going to get there as fast as I'm going to get there. If, if you make a left-hand turn on Jamie's, you're not going to get there. If you get all the way to Blanding Boulevard and make a right-hand turn into the worst traffic in the world, you're certainly not going to get there anytime soon. You, it's not enough just to start off looking in the right direction. If you turn away from these things, you're in trouble. And the things that they've turned away from are the things that are the point in verse 5. It's love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. And I want to tell you why I believe that these people have turned away from these things, because they don't have them. So you can only really give to someone what you possess. I can talk to you about baseball until you get up and run out the door. And, and, if, and, 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 and Elder Jimmy could, too, uh, but he's going to want to talk to you about the Chicago Cubs. I'm going to want to talk to you uh, about the Atlanta Braves. But I could talk to you about Atlanta Braves for a long, long time. I could talk to you about other things. I could talk to you about hockey for about four seconds. I could. Um, I could talk to you about it. They 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 wear skates, and all their last names have 27 vowels in them. Blenda Chesniakoff, Klemelinski de Abenda. I mean, I I just don't have a whole lot to talk to you about hockey because I don't have a lot of hockey in me. Now, you might disagree, but I'm talking about ice hockey, okay? That's funny. Y'all missed it. But they can't give away what they don't possess. I can't talk to you uh, passionately about uh, trigonometry because I don't possess a passion for trigonometry. And these people that find themselves in church, they can't talk to you passionately about things that they don't possess. And that's why they've turned away from these things. The second thing that disqualifies them, we see in verse 6, they spend their time in meaningless discussions. Now, you could get into words a lot, and and I love words. I love study. Uh, Sometimes if you look too much, you miss the point. But anybody want to take a shot at that word meaningless and and just take the word apart and give me a a definition of that word, taking that word apart? I don't talk. I'm talking about wordsmithing that word meaningless, though. Dina said it has what? meaning less or it has what less meaning it could mean no meaning but it at least has less meaning and this is one of the ways you can find out who disqualified from getting the point people that spend their time in meaningless discussions now we're talking about the context of in church. And we're going to look at the context of some people who classify themselves as leaders. Do you know there are pastors, preachers, teachers all around the country that stand up and preach every week and they talk about meaningless things and people leave having learned nothing? And some of them are the greatest orators on the planet and they've got the biggest churches on the planet. They, they've got Just thousands of people everywhere, and they've got such a gift for speaking. And I've told you all about these people, and I've sat under people like this in my lifetime where people leave saying, oh, man, pastor was preaching this morning. And then you ask him, what was he preaching about? I don't know, but he was going off. Well, what do you remember about the message? Nothing, because it had no meaning, or the meaning was less than what it should have been. I've had so many people tell me, Pastor Scott, I've been learning so much about the Bible since coming to Abundant Life. And that's cool and that's awesome, but that's really more an indictment about where you used to be than it is of where you are. They must have spent their time talking about things with less meaning because I come to you this morning to talk to you about the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ from His perfect and holy word, and that's got all the meaning. But they talk about things... That, that mean less. They, they focus. Many of them focus on things that may have some point, but they're not the point. I've seen in the last month, I've seen pastors in, in, uh, on social media say that the entire point of Christianity is revolution. And I thought, well, there's some revolution aspect to Christianity because it's a revolt against societal norms. It's a revolt against oppressive government. It's a revolt against lies and people who oppose our Christ. But that's not the big point of Christianity. I've heard, I've, I've seen people put on social media, the whole point of Christianity is social justice. Certainly there's a social justice element in Christianity, and Christians need to be concerned about social justice. But that's not the big point either. I've heard churches talk about getting rich, and health wealth and prosperity and surely a loving father said if you know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will our Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask the Bible says it's the father's good pleasure to give us everything so surely there, there is health to be had in Christ there's prosperity to be had in Christ but that's not the big point I've heard people talk about helping the poor bashing other churches, all types of different things. But it's not the real point. The reason we gather together on Sunday mornings is because church shifted from Saturday church to Sunday church 2,000 years ago because after Jesus rose from the dead, the apostles started gathering together on the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. The point is Jesus And if you get away from the cross of Christ or the word of God and God has said he's elevated or exalted his word above his name, then you get into these meaningless discussions, topics that mean less than the things that God wants us to focus on. There's a couple other things that disqualify people. In verse 7, the scripture says they want to be known as teachers of the law. They who? These unqualified people. These people that have been disqualified from getting the point, it says, but they, don't want, but they don't know what they're talking about even though they speak so confidently. So let's, let's see uh, our next two disqualifiers. Number three, they want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses. See, these are people who want a crowd. They want a platform. They want their voice to be heard. They want respect. They want titles. They want positions. One, one of the truest men of God that I know is my accountability and prayer partner, Pastor Gene Dillon of the New Mount Zion Church. And he, he said something to me years ago. Uh, he, he told me, a, for somebody to be in this thing for real, with all their heart, for somebody to be in ministry for real, with all their heart, they either have to be called or crazy. You do, because the burden, and this is one thing that, and I, try, I tell pastors this all the time, and they, they don't like it anymore, and Christ, church members love hearing it, is really walking with God, there is a burden involved in that. There's a weight involved in that. These pastors, that just love being pastor because they get to be called pastor, and they get an office, and they get to play golf four days a week, um, they, they, and they're just so happy-go-lucky. I don't see happy-go-lucky. Jesus was, Jesus was a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. I'm not telling you Christianity is a grieving religion, but I'm telling you there's a seriousness involved in it beyond someone just wanting to be called a teacher. And there are people who are like, well, when do I get my turn? That crowd's already disqualified because they desire more to be a teacher than a learner. And those who are learning will always outgrow those who aren't learning. So you've got that crowd of people out there. They just want to be known. They just want people to sit under them because they like the sound of their voice. And the fourth disqualifier in this verse, they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. They don't know what they're t- There are so many people in pulpits, and here's one of the things, and I'm all for freedom of religion. I'm all for, you know, do what God wants you to do. But here's a cliche, and I don't give many cliches, but here's a cliche you can hang your hat on. When it comes to finding someone to listen to, To teach God's Word to you, there needs to be a uh, level of theological expertise in the pulpit that is missing in most pulpits. There needs to be higher study. There needs to be a, a, a level, a depth of knowledge of the Bible that is missing in pulpits all across the world. And here's the cliche, and here's the reason why. So many places have teachers with no real theological expertise. Uh, one, one man said it this way, some were called, some were sent, some just packed up their junk and went. Now, this is talking about pastors and how churches got started. Every church planter, every apostle, every pastor that got, that got ordained biblically, that got talked about in Scripture, they were either called by a group of people to them, or they were sent out. From a group of people to somebody else. Nobody started their own junk. This is not Robert Duvall in the movie The Apostle. Anybody remember that movie? That, my, my man Robert Duvall, he, he, he was a con man, he was a criminal. He decided he was go, gonna go on the lamb, hide out, and pretend to be a preacher. He walked out in the middle of a river and he went, I baptized myself an apostle. And that's ridiculous. But there's a lot of that going on today. I I know people, pastors, that some of y'all know and reference that paid $15 to $40 online. You can do it today. You can go online today, and you can put your credit card down for $20, $30, $40, and you can get yourself a, a license. You can be an ordained minister according to the church of crazy people, and it's not worth the paper that it's written on if you haven't been called by a group of people or sent out by a group of people, if you haven't had someone of note, someone of apostolic succession, someone who is legitimate lay their physical hands on you, and through the anointing of oil and laying on hands and transference of apostolic succession, then you have no business pastoring a group of people because the bible says we who do that will receive a greater condemnation and there's so many people out there and this is where america misses not that i'm not for freedom of religion but do you know anybody in this room could go start their own church today no theological expertise no training no apostolic succession no real ordination no laying on of hands by anybody of note just go out and say well i I want to be the pastor, and here's the ones that do it. Remember I said some were called, some were sent, some just packed up their junk and went? The ones who packed up their junk and went, these are the they that's being talked about here. These are the they. They didn't like what they saw. They thought they should be the ones doing it. They thought, well, I can do it as good or better, so they just grabbed a handful of whoever they could drag away with them, and they went out and they started their own foolishness but all four of these things those people they turned away from a pure heart they don't have a clear conscience they don't have genuine faith they spend their time with meaningless discussions they 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 want to be known as a teacher even though they don't have the qualifications and fourthly they don't know what they're talking about even if they speak confidently they don't have a level of expertise here's the crazy thing if Carmelita started a dental practice. You don't have any experience in dentistry, do you? Uh, If Carmelita started a dental practice today, she just rented a storefront, put a sign up, said Carmelita Dentistry. And underneath it she said, I have no license. I have no insurance. I've never been to school for anything to do with teeth, uh, but I brush my teeth and you should brush yours too. And I've got a good smile, come see me. Anybody want to let that unqualified woman get a drill in her hand and pry your teeth open one of them things to hold your jaw up? No. What if she just decided, you know what, not enough money in dentistry. I want to be a heart surgeon. And she just rented her a storefront. She put up a sign and said, Carmelita's Heart Surgery. Heart problems, come see me. And you mess around and, and you go in with a heart attack At some hospital, and they tell you, yeah, you're going to need to follow up with with a heart surgeon. And you're like, well, there's this lady over here. I mean, she says discount rates. I'd like to check with her. No expertise in heart surgery. No training in heart surgery. Nobody ever sat her down and mentored her in heart surgery. She never served under a heart surgeon anywhere. These are signs of who to stay away from. And nobody would ever think of letting a non-dentist dentist on them. See, I just make words up. Nobody would ever think that somebody would let a non-heart surgeon heart surgeon on them. But people go to these non-qualified, self-called, mama-taught preachers that don't, they can't even tell you where Habakkuk is in the Bible. You look in their Bible, Habakkuk, all the pages are stuck together. Because they never opened the book. They just are, they don't even know what they're talking about no matter how confident they sound in it. There needs to be a level of theological expertise. Now, having said all that, here's the good news for the rest of us. Those of us who possess um, the, the, the things verse 5 is talking about, we understand you don't have to be perfect to serve the Lord. If God only used perfect people, there would be nobody being used other than Jesus, because Jesus is the only perfect one. But these four things, without a doubt, disqualify people, and we see that clearly in the Scripture. Now, let's get back to verse 5 and make sure we don't miss the point with those who have missed the point through those four different ways. Our text, again, says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers—how many believers? All believers—would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience— and genuine faith this instruction is for what type of people believers this instruction is for all believers too many times here's what happens unsaved people start coming to church that's a great thing we ought to have unsaved people in the church and i can guarantee you we have unsaved people in this room right now not because i know who the unsaved people are but just because i know jesus said that the road to heaven is narrow and few there be that find it okay uh We ought to have unsaved people in the church, but here's the danger. Unsaved people come to church, and they add some Christian or some church habits. They add some Christian virtue. They add some Christian practices to their life without ever becoming a true Christian. And if all you're doing is adding a little of this and a little of that, trying to turn over a new leaf, if you're just working on your outside without allowing God to work on your inside, then this passage isn't ever going to attach to you because this passage is specifically for believers. And you need to make sure that you become a believer before you leave this planet. Now let's look at the threefold purpose of this instruction because the apostle gives three reasons why. He said, this is my whole purpose. Don't miss the point. Here is the whole purpose. To be filled with love, that, that comes from three things, a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Let's look at them one at a time. To be filled with love that comes from a pure heart. Now, to be filled with love attaches to all three of these things, but we'll look at it first. To be filled with love that comes from a pure heart. Two things disqualify you. If you don't have, what's in the top line? With what? If you don't have love, then you're missing the whole point. And if that love isn't coming from a pure what? Then you've missed the whole point. So you've got to have love that comes from a pure heart. Now, if you're one of those Christians that speaks in tongues but don't speak to other believers, I'm still waiting to see that on somebody's statement of faith. I, I love it when I see people's statement of faith on their church wall says, uh, We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I want to see somebody write, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking to each other. Because there are a lot of people who say they speak in tongues, but they're mean. God ain't looking for mean Christians. God is not looking. Now listen, you say, well, Pastor, sometimes your messages are hard. No, all the time the messages are hard. Because the Bible says this is a hard word. It's a stumbling block. It's a rock of offense. But I am here commanded by God to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. That's not my daily course. I don't walk into uh, the restaurant and just start scolding people for not praying over their food. That type of mean legalistic behavior is psychotic. It's not Christian. So if you're a mean person, I want to tell you something. You're missing the point your heart's not filled with love. If you don't have not just love, but love from a pure heart. Now see, the problem here that gets addressed later in the chapter is false teaching specifically of performance-oriented legalistic Christians or, or teachers saying, you've got to do this, 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 and this, and if you don't do it the way we do it, you're going to hell. That False teaching has survived 2,000 years ago. I was a member of a church like that, and some of y'all were too. I was a member of a holiness church where we believed that uh, it was us four and no more. We're right, and everybody else is wrong. We're going to heaven, and everybody else is going to hell. And it was very rigid, and it was men in suits and women in dresses. And I already told y'all, it seemed like the the more holiness a church is, the uglier the women are. say, well, that that sounds hard. Well, let me explain to you why. If you've never been to an old school holiness church, I'm talking about hair to the floor, dresses to the floor, no makeup. That's not really a good look on most people. I'm just saying, all right? People say, well, Pastor, you think think it's a sin for women to wear makeup? You've heard me tell you. I think it's a sin for some women not to wear makeup. Now, what did the farmer say? Even an old barn would look good with a fresh coat of paint on it. I'm not talking about legalism in this church, but there are churches that are telling people, if you don't dress a certain kind of way, if you don't listen to this, if you don't watch that, if you don't read out of this version of the Bible, if you don't do all these uh, checklists of things, that you're not right with God. That's not love from a pure heart. And there, there are people who say, well, you're not quite where I am. That, I, I get that crowd all the time. I've had people come to this church that have told me, Pastor, we're praying for you to get to where we are. Because our family comes from blah, 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 revival on the blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, you don't pay tithes. You don't pay offerings. You don't serve in any ministry. You don't have a track record of 40 years of faithfulness in one city serving God. But you're trying to get me to catch up to where you are? That's a messed up picture. That's not pure hearted. That's arrogance. Arrogance don't go with pure heart. Arrogance don't go with love. If you are an arrogant person calling yourself a Christian, if you are a mean person calling yourself a Christian, you are locked out of the point because the point is to be filled with love that comes from a pure heart. Now, see, some people present well publicly. And you know you can fool some of the people some of the time. You might even fool most of the people most of the time, but you can't fool God. Because there are some people that just come and look like they've got it all together. That's why I dress down in church. That, that, that's why it's, it's not uncommon for me. I've been here in, in a $10 T-shirt uh, and, 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 and some forces on. But I, people get all dressed. Some people present well in church. They get all dressed up. They come in and look like the perfect little Christian family, and they're cussing each other out on the drive to church didn't read their Bible all week long, didn't pray together all week long or even separately all week long, but they present well. They look good on the outside. They look like, oh, man, that's them, them people. They're they not missing the point. Those are the real Christians. Maybe, maybe not. Just because you look good on the outside doesn't mean that you're fooling God because the Bible says man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. God sees whether or not you have a pure heart that is filled with love. Oh, man, I, I wish I had my love-o-meter with me. I, I-, I wish I- I'd just start with Eric, put it on, and just see. Real love, fake love, and just and hanging on everybody's neck. When it got to you, and if it could really register. Now, if I had it up here and I said, everybody come up here and take a turn, and let's just see if you have a heart Uh, uh, If you are filled with love that comes from a pure heart, you know most people in the room don't want to get that O-meter on their neck. Mean folk can't qualify. Impure motives can't qualify. Arrogance can't qualify. The point, the Bible says, the purpose of all this instruction is, number one, that we have love that comes from a pure heart. Number two, it says a clear conscience. Say clear. I don't think there are many things in life better than a clear conscience. I hope that you have a clear conscience. I hope when you lay your head down on your bed at night, your conscience is clear before the Lord. See, if you don't have a clear conscience, you're going to miss the whole point because this is the point. This is the purpose of the instruction one of the ways one of the biggest ways to have peace with god is to live with a clear conscience and i'm gonna tell you two ways that you can have a clear conscience number one you can be perfect and never do anything wrong and your conscience will be clear you ready to sign up for that one no the bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of god so how are you going to sin, and, and you're like, well, that's just for lost people. Once we get saved, you know, we, we become super saints. Oh, you mean like, like all the people in the Hall of Fame of Faith uh, in, in the book of Hebrews, all, all of our champions of the faith that, that lied and betrayed and uh, denied, all, all those people. No, even after, I've had so many people say, well, you know, I did some things before my salvation that I'm not proud of. I tell people plainly, I've done some things since my salvation I'm not proud of. Anybody else? I mean, this religion has got to die so, so, so that Christianity can come to life. But a clear conscience is not gained by living perfect because God wouldn't command you to do something you can't do, and you can't live perfect. There's nobody who is sinless except Jesus Christ. And God's point is to sanctify us, We're never going to become sinless, but you've heard me say before, we all need to sin less. Do you sin less now than you used to? If you do, you're moving in the right direction. Your clear conscience will not come from always doing the right thing. Your clear conscience will come from repenting of your sins, confessing your sins, and allowing God to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Oh, there's nothing like a clean sheet. There's nothing like a a, a fresh start. This is why so many people say, I just wish I could get back to the joy I felt when I first got saved. What you're not understanding is the reason you felt that joy is because you felt clean before God. You felt accepted by God. You had been overflowed with God's love and you felt like you could relate to God, but as life Put you through the pressure cooker of this world and you got stained and you carried shame, and you accepted guilt, then you've backed up from the Lord because your conscience isn't clear. You can't go back and change the past, but the Bible says if you confess your sins, He'll forgive you of your sins. The Bible says if you forsake your sins, He'll forgive you of your sins. The only real way for true believers to have a clear conscience is to live a life of confession, forsaking, repentance repentance is something that's not talked about enough in the church but it is the message the bible jesus said that there hadn't been a greater prophet arisen uh since john the Bap- than john the baptist john the Baptist's message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand in the gospels when it says that jesus began his ministry by saying guess what repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repentance is the message But that's not popular because here's what repentance is. Repentance is being given the truth to where you see it so clearly that you understand you're walking in the wrong direction and you turn around and you walk in a different direction. It's I'm walking this way. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. The Bible says what I should be doing. And I say, wow, I'm going the wrong direction. I repent of that. I turn around and I go back toward God. Here's the problem. Too many times in the life of real Christians, we repent of our repentance. What does that mean? We turn around on our turnaround. We're we're, we're going away from God. We're not studying like we should. We're not praying like we should. Then we read, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Study to show yourself approved. And we're like, hmm, I got to do better. So I walk back this way. And so we've repented toward God, but then we're like, kind of like that back there. We just repented of our repentance. Are you following me? We turned around from our turnaround. And that has happened too much in my life and in your life, if you'd be honest. That has happened too many times in the life of a real Christian where God lets you repent of something, and you turned around on your turnaround, and you went back to what God already told you to repent of. But the Scripture says that godly repentance... uh, bring sorrow not to be repented of there is a repentance that will cannot be repented of some of it I hope somebody in this room has repented of something that you haven't gone back to I know I have there's a godly sorrow That will bring about a repentance that you won't repent of, where you won't have to always be asking God to forgive you for the same stuff. As you get older, you ought to learn some stuff. As you get more grown and mature in Christ, you ought to quit driving into the same potholes all the time. You ought to realize, you know what, I'm not going to keep making that same mistake over and over I'm going to cut I'm not going to turn around on my turnaround I'm going to turn away from that and leave it alone forever and I want you to find that type of repentance I want you to get a turnaround that you don't turn back around on because here's the thing when you turn around on your turnaround when you stop repenting of what God told you to repent of and you go back to it your conscience is not clear and if your conscience is not clear you're missing the whole point If your conscience isn't clear, then you're missing what God has for you. And this is why some people can't praise and worship. Some in your business now. Some people can't praise and worship because their conscience is defiled. They know what they were doing last night. They know what they were doing this morning. They come in dirty in their own mind. And so they don't feel like they can enter into the intimacy with God. So then they start questioning other people's worship. They see people worshiping and crying and saying hallelujah and pouring out emotion. They're just emotional. That's fake. That's not real. And they start questioning other people's worship. Why? Because they're so filthy in their own mind they can't get close to God because they defiled their conscience to the point where they don't feel clean enough to enter into the presence of a holy God. So they stand there in the worship and wonder when it's going to be over. Because they know. E- even if they think for a minute it's real, their conscience is not clean. I'm going to remind you one more time and then I'm going to go on. You can get a clean conscience anytime you want one. We're all only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. And you ought to pray. How, how many times? Should, should you pray to get saved the bible says if you get saved what god does he does forever if you ever get a real salvation i walked and i'll pray to prayer been baptized several times uh, but when i truly got real salvation when i had a true encounter with the holy ghost and he came and took up residence inside my life that's been that that that, that that's never never going to change but how many times should i repent of wrongdoing of my sins when when i mess up should I repent? If I mess up again, shall I be like, oh, well, I blew it again. Forget it. See, that's the trick of the devil. The devil wants you to think that because you already messed up, no sense in getting right. This works, best, one of the best ways I can show you, because Jesus taught first natural, then spiritual. He taught farmers in agricultural terms to get them to understand spiritual truth, and he taught this first natural concept. you got to understand it natural to grab it into spiritual. Here's a natural way that you can see how the devil works in diet. Say diet. Now, if Elder Jimmy was on a diet, well, let's don't use Elder Jimmy because he wouldn't go on a diet, but no, he's, he just wouldn't fit. Um, if, if Elder Keon, uh, if Idaris went on a diet, and she's a nurse, Okay. Now, I don't know how many of y'all, my mom was a nurse. I worked in a nurse when I was going to seminary. I worked in a nurse. I worked in a hospital when I was going to seminary. I've been around nurses' stations. I was, it's so funny, I was a drug dealer before I got saved. I got saved, went to Bible college, went to work at Methodist Hospital as a guess what? Yeah, I was the guy that pushed the medicine cart from nurses' station to nurses' station, dropping off the 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 Percocet. Back then, it wasn't Percocet; it was it was orange Darvocet and all kinds of stuff like that. And but so I know a lot about nurses stations when gail got sick with cancer i spent two years i spent over 180 nights sleeping on hospital floors and in beds i know about nurses stations and hospitals and i'm sure there's other places that have this but i can tell you about nurses stations there's always cake always there's always cake If somebody's having a birthday, somebody's kid had a birthday, somebody, then they just brought a bunch of cake from what they had last night, or they just decided they didn't bring everybody. Listen, you can get you some cake at a nurse's station. Now, so if Elder Keon's wife is uh, on a diet, and she comes in, and she's been doing good on a diet, and there's some cake sitting there, and she's like, oh, man, that looks good. Bite. Oh, I'm not eating. I, I forgot. I'm on a diet. The smart thing to do would be to take that in her hand, throw that away, and go on about her business and stay on her diet. But here's what the devil tells you: Oh, you've already blown it. Now you may as well finish it. And there's a cupcake just calling you. And this is. And then. And then lunchtime comes around. And people are like, well, I've already blown my diet. Might as well have a cheat day like the other 300 days you just had. And you just keep blowing it. That's the same thing the enemy wants you to do when you fail in serving God. When you stumble, when you sin, when you fall into a transgression, See, because Christians fall into transgressions, they don't run after transgressions. Lost people run after transgressions. Christians fall into them. Christians get into traps and snares and ditches. Lost people pave a highway to get to their own destruction. A different message for a different time. But when that happens, you can say, well, I may as well go all in. Or you can say, I need to stop this right now, and I need to repent of it. You can get a clear conscience Every time you have real repentance. Now, if you repent of it, but you keep messing around with that cake or whatever dirt you're doing, then that's not real repentance. And you'll never be able to be who God wants you to be with a dirty conscience. Oh, if I I could get you to get to anywhere this morning, I'd get you to get to the place where you truly repented and let God give you a clear conscience. Let God give you a clean mind. Remember what David said in, in, his, in his great psalm of repentance in Psalm 51. He, he cried out to God after his sin. He had failed God again. Uh, we, we look at David uh, as, as we should, as a hero of the faith. We look at him as a champion for God. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. God said his ways always pleased him. Um, but David was a scoundrel. David had at least eight wives that we know of. David had a whole messed up family. David had incest, and he was running from his own son, scared his own son. Listen, any man who's scared of his son is going to be... You scared of this boy yet? Not yet? Any man scared of his own son uh, has got issues. But David had, had issues, but in his deep down in who he was, he loved God more than he loved his issues. He loved God more than he loved anything else. And when he had sinned by... By committing adultery and murder, he came to God to get his conscience clear and he cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David wanted to get back right with God. He needed, he said, Purge me thoroughly wash me so i can be clean he needed his mind to be able to reconnect with the love that god has for him because the devil wants you to believe you're too dirty for god to love the only way you're going to get a clear conscience is if you repent and you ask god to forgive you and he said he'd do it he said he would and you can't lie. He said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be perfectly clean in the eyes of God before you leave here today. But you've got to be determined not to pick your dirt back up. Or then you're just going to be repenting of your repentance and turning around on your turnaround back and forth. The third thing the Scripture says is the point is genuine faith. Genuine faith. You you need to be filled with love that comes from a genuine faith. Now, we're a Bible-teaching church, and I teach a lot of hermeneutical principles. Hermeneutics is the art and science of properly interpreting literature, especially Scripture. And there are certain principles that you can learn that will help you to understand uh, Scripture more plainly. And one of those things is inference, the principle of inference. Inference. There are some things that are clearly inferred. I'm not talking about speculation. Speculation will cause you to stretch and mistrue doctrine. I'm talking about things that are clearly inferred. Uh, I'll, I'll show it to you this way and move on. If there is a genuine faith, there must also be a what? A ingenuine? A disgenuous? You're, she's wondering if ingenuine is a word. It's not. Um, but you said it, so I was going to go with it. I actually looked up the antonym for genuine, and it's false, okay? The opposite of, uh, a word that means the opposite of. So if there's a genuine faith, there's also a what? A false faith. So everyone in this room that claims to have faith either has a genuine faith or a what? False faith. Well, that ought to cause you to panic. That ought to cause you to freak out. That ought to cause you to really be concerned because the Bible says that if the righteous are scarcely saved, where shall the sinner appear? It blows my mind. One of the things that blows me back more than anything else I see in life is when people come to me for counseling and they, they sit down and I say, tell me what's going on. And they give me this laundry list of dirt they're, they're caught up in. And I'm like, well, have you ever considered salvation? Oh, no, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. You just told me that you were struggling with everything from gluttony to, to, to every whatever sin you want to think of. But you're. Sh- why are so many people convinced that they're saved when they have nothing to stand on for it? Now, there's only one person in the room right now that I would say is a sure enough. Kansas City Chiefs fan. Other people can talk that, Yang. Other people, other people can say, oh, man, I'm about them Kansas. Stand up, Wayne. Stand up. Now, that right there is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. All right, go ahead. Hey, he, got red, he got red shoes on, okay? He's representing. This is, There is some proof text. And it's just not that. He's been talking to me about his love for Kansas City for years. I can never remember that dude's name. We're going to have to talk about that dude that wore number 46, uh, End up killing his parents. Uh, I knew first time that boy took his helmet off, I knew he was a mass murderer played for y'all back in the day. Angry Joker. That Thompson sure is. That See, proof to Kansas City. There are people who have no proof to their salvation at all. Well, what makes you think you're saved? Oh, I know I'm saved. My mama took me to church when I was little. Nothing in the Bible says you got saved because mama took you to church. Coming to church don't make you a Christian no more than sitting at McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Why do so many people think they're saved when they have no proof text for it? Where, where, is your, where is your love for God? Where, how much scripture do you know? How much time do you spend praying for lost people? How much do you agonize over your own sin? How much time do you spend praying for anything? None. But I know I'm saved. Oh, I would run to the altar on that. The, the difference between heaven and hell, it's it too great for you to have a hope so salvation. The Bible says these things have been written down that we might know that we have eternal life. Do you know for sure that God's going to let you into heaven? Well, I just believe God loves all people and everybody's going to go to heaven. That's not taught in the Bible. Jesus preached 15 recorded sermons in in the Gospels, uh, 16 recorded sermons in the Gospels. 15 of them spoke directly about hell. Hell is a real place. And the Bible, Jesus said there's more people going to hell than going to heaven. How do you know you're one of the few? He said that the road to heaven is narrow and few there be that find it, but the road to heaven is broad and many there be that go in thereat. Why do you think you're on the narrow road when you don't live a narrow road life? See, I've had to adjust even in my own sports vernacular. I grew up loving sports. I grew up playing sports. I I grew up engrossed in statistics of sports. I grew up, I told y'all before, I had the Miami Dolphins bedspread sheets, uh, curtains, throw rug, pillows. Uh, I stood in line for over three hours at Cecil Field to get a signed 8x10, a black and white, they couldn't even do color, but this was back in the 70s, early 70s, um, I, to get a, a, a signed 8x10 from Nat Moore. I mean, I'm a real Dolphins fan. You stand in line for hours to get get a signed black and white 8x10 from Nat Moore, you're a real Dolphins fan. I was a real Dolphins fan growing up uh, for years and years, but I finally Stop paying attention to the Dolphins. I had, I had to admit it. I had on a Miami Dolphins shirt yesterday, and I, I was already prepared. If somebody asked me, are you a real Dolphins fan or are you just wearing the shirt? I was going to have to say, I'm just wearing the shirt. Why? Because if you can't name me five players on offense and five players on defense, that's not even half. Then I don't. Oh, I'm a real. Oh, uh, uh, uh. Florida State wannabe fans, if you can't tell me who the quarterback is, you're not a real fan. There's too many people claiming that they're a real Christian, can't quote no scripture, never led anybody to Christ, give nothing, serve nothing, love nothing about God, but, oh, I know I'm saved. Please hear me well this morning. Don't risk eternity on that foolishness. Don't risk eternity, but I walked an aisle. And pray. Nowhere in the Bible does it say walk an aisle and pray a prayer and you'll go to heaven. you got to have a real live encounter with a living God that changes you. you got to have a genuine faith. The Bible talks about false brethren. The Bible talks about people who have deceived themselves. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talking about the judgment day. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I did all these things. Listen to the list of things. He said, I prophesied in your name. Preachers. Did many wonderful works. Miracle workers. All the way down to drug addicts. Listen, people are going to get to heaven and be shocked because they're going, but I sang in the choir. I sat in the church. I went through new members class. I gave $3 one time in the offering. Or $3,000 one time in the offering. None of that is going to get you into heaven. And Jesus tells them all, and this is the scariest passage in the Bible to me, because these are people who are shocked when they, find, when they get to heaven and they find out they're not getting let in. And they get into that, but, but Lord, I did all this for you. And he says, but I never knew you. We weren't like that. I didn't have that relationship with you. Don't be shocked on judgment day good person, bad person, any person, don't think that something other than genuine faith is going to get you into heaven, because the point of all of this is that those who follow God should be filled with a real love that comes from three things, a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. So let me ask you, is is, is that who you are today? Are you filled with God's love? Does that manifest? Do you love God and love people? That's what Jesus said to do. Is your heart pouring out love to God on a regular basis? Is is, is your life filled with a love? Would you say your heart is pure? I'm not asking you, do you always do perfect? I'm asking you, do you have a pure heart? Has your heart been changed by the Holy Ghost? I remember shortly after I first got saved, I just, I just thought I was having a nervous breakdown. I thought I'd lost it finally. I grew up dysfunctional in and out of jail. I grew up without a father. I grew up with, with all kinds of issues, and I thought, well, I finally snapped, and I went and saw the preacher. And I said, uh, I said Pastor, I think I'm just my mind ain't as strong as I want it to be. He said, well, why, why do you say that? I said, because I'm just crying all the time. Every time somebody sings a song in church, I just start crying. I said, any time anytime I try to share with somebody how much God loves me, I just start crying. Anytime somebody shares a prayer request about somebody lost in their family and they want that person to get saved, I just start crying. I told them, I'm, I'm crying over TV shows. And I grew up mocking my mother. My mom and my sister used to cry at every TV show there was. My sister's sitting right there. She can tell you. And I used to mock them. They'd watch those shows. If if you're my age, I'm 56, about to be 57. If you're in that time frame, you remember all them tear-jerking shows they used to put on all the time, Uh, Brian's song. Whoo, man. When Billy D. Williams said, I love Brian Piccolo and I want you to love him too, if you didn't cry at that point, you was in here. I didn't cry first time I saw it. mm, Hard-hearted. They'd be watching something for Joey. If you're watching "The Boy in the Bubble," I really busted them up on "The Boy in the Bubble" because at that time John Travolta was a megastar on, on on a little heard of sitcom called "Welcome Back, Cotter," and he was playing this 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 you know dying boy in a bubble. And my mom and my sister, the boy's in the bubble and he's dying. I said, "Y'all so stupid." That's Vinny Barberino off. He ain't dying. He's making money off your tear. And I used to cry. it. And I got saved, and I just started crying all the time. And I told the preacher, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> he said, no, Scott, you just spent your life hard-hearted. And the Bible says that when God saves you, He'll take that stony heart out of you and replace it with a heart of flesh that is moldable, that, that is malleable that he can touch and he's I said well what am I supposed to do now he said just keep crying he said as long as tears are leaking out your eyes your head won't swell up some of y'all hadn't cried in ever some of y'all just as hard-hearted as I was before Christ why do you think you're saved and your heart isn't any different because you prayed a prayer because you walked an aisle, do you know that you know? Do you have that joy, 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 joy down in your heart? Do you have that peace that passes all, all understanding down in your heart? Do you have a river of life flowing out of you? Do you really love him deep on the inside beyond everything and everyone else? That's genuine faith. That's pure heart. Do you have that kind of pure heart? Do you have a clear conscience? Listen, the devil's keeping some of y'all plagued with some foolishness you've done in your past. You keep asking God to forgive you over stuff he's already forgiven you of. The Bible says if you confess your sins, forsake them, God not only forgives you of your sins, but he casts them into his sea of forgetfulness, and listen to this, and chooses to remember them no more. You don't have to let the devil bother you about what you did years ago, days ago, minutes ago. Some of y'all are still trying to get over something that happened to you as a child or something that you did to somebody else. You need to repent of it. You need to forsake it. You need, you need to forgive whoever you need to forgive. Put your past in your past. So you can have a clean conscience. So you can have a clear conscience. And so you can have genuine faith. I don't know where your faith is this morning. I don't know where your conscience is this morning. But we're going to have a time of prayer today. We're going to have a time of prayer. And I'm going to ask you, if you're here and you're concerned that your faith isn't genuine, we're going to have altar workers standing up front. Yeah, I want you to come. And, And when they ask you what you're coming for, tell them, I want real faith. And they'll pray with you today for you to have salvation. You say, well, I've done that before. Listen, if it didn't work last time, do it again. The Bible says you've got to search for them with your whole heart. Some of you might be struggling with your conscience. You can pray at your seat. You can come to this altar and pray. Or you can come and ask one of these ministry workers to pray with you. Stop being plagued by your past. Stop being plagued by your failures. Repent of them and move on. Man, we already are down one month in 2020. 20. So many people said they were going to make 2020 count for the Lord, and you've already missed on January. Let's don't miss on these next months. Let's get our hearts together. Let's get our minds together. Let's get real love from a pure heart. Let's get love from God that clears our conscience. Let's get love from God for a genuine faith so that we can be and do all that God has called me to be and do. If you're physically able, I want you to stand where you are and pray with me. God, thank you. For your word. God, thank you for your willingness to forgive us. Father, I pray that you do your work now. The The Bible tells us that no one can come unless you draw them. Father, I pray that you would draw people to a true relationship with you today. God, I pray that you would clear consciences today, that you would fill us with love, give us a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine podcast and visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.